Welcome to the High Performance CEO Podcast. This show is made with one purpose, to help you create a self-driven and engaged high-performance organization, where we deliver you proven strategies and expert interviews on how to drive significant profit growth, create a stress-free ownership culture, and give you the time freedom you always wanted from your business. And now, here's your host, highly sought-after business growth strategist and executive coach, Patrick Rogers. This is Patrick Rogers, and today we have the privilege to have Phil Massiello on the show. And Phil is the founder and CEO of Crunch Growth. Welcome to the show, Phil. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, very cool. So uh, a little bit about Philip. Uh, he is the author of Think Engage Thrive, Marketing Actions to Skyrocket Your Brand in the Digital Age, and working on an upcoming book, Empires and Entrepreneurs, How Business Shaped the World, Stories of Entrepreneurs and Entrepreneurship Throughout History to be released May 10th. So coming up here real soon. Um, Phil is the founder of Crunch Growth Revenue Acceleration Agency, assisting consumer product brands with their e-commerce efforts, social media marketing, and Amazon seller marketing. Um, Phil was also a founder and CEO of 800razors.com, Raw Beauty Inc. with Carol Alt, and The Daily Market, a Washington, D.C.-based grab-and-go meal store chain. So an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Uh, Phil started his, his first startup at 25 years old, holds an MBA in finance and marketing from University of Maryland, and has remained very active in schools, entrepreneurial programs, is also an active advisor and mentor to several incubators in the Baltimore and Washington marketplace. So Philip, fantastic. I can't wait to go through everything. You you, you no doubt have just a, a wealth of knowledge and experience in entrepreneurship. Before we get into everything, what's one interesting fact about yourself that not many people know? Well, before I gained weight, I used huh. to I used to do triathlons all the time. Oh, okay. People don't know it because I didn't make a big deal out of it. I just sort of did it, you know, I would I would train in the mornings, you know, five to you know, seven or eight. And then um, you know, I would go off on the weekends and do it. My wife knew, obviously, but you know, my family knew, but not many of my friends knew. I didn't make a big deal out of it. I didn't post on social about my forays with it. I just did it sort of it, it was a it was a way for me to clear my head mentally and be within myself for a period of time. No phone, no nothing. Nobody could catch me. Nobody could distract me. So, you know, That's not awesome. many people know I did it. How many triathlons did you do? Oh, geez, I, I can't even count. I mean, I did all, all sides. I did sprints, Olympic distance, half, full, uh, you know, and then on, on top of that, I did, you know, cycle races and, 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 uh, you know, marathons, half marathons. So, you know, oh, wow. well, yeah, I can't even count how many, I mean, I've got a box upstairs with medals in it that are just sitting there, just sitting know. there gathering dust. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've done one full half marathon and <laughs> what the, the reason I did is I need to lose weight. So, so I trained up six months this thing. I lost like 30 pounds, 40. I don't know what it was. But I finished this thing and and then it, everything was fine. And then like two and a half, three hours later, I couldn't walk. I actually get, got a hairline <laughs> fracture from during the race, but there was so much endorphins going and yeah. everything that I didn't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I, I was like, oh shit, I guess I can't do these very often. So after doing <laughs> doing a full marathon, man, my hat's off to you. That's that's very impressive. Very few people do. Isn't it like some small percentage of, of Americans actually run a full marathon in their lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the number is, but yeah, it's not uh, something you know, it's, it's not something that, uh, a lot of people do. I think a lot of people want to do it. Um, but you really, the thing about endurance racing or in any sport is, is really about staying within yourself and, you know, because it's only you, like, it doesn't matter whether you win or not. It's mad. It matters whether you finish, but in order to finish, it's all in you. It has to be, you know, you, communicating with yourself to get you through the hard parts. And I, I, the reason that I, I found it so helpful for me was because in, in business so many times, like you're, you, you hit these walls and, you know, you, you've got to figure out how to break through and it's up to you to figure out how to break through. You've got to pivot or you've got to make decisions or you've got to do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have that ability to look inside yourself and and see what you have to do to change then you know i i don't think that you can uh you know always be successful with it you know i think that's why a lot of businesses fail it's not so much because of you know marketing or money i think a lot of times people just don't see what they have to do to change change their behavior change the way that they're approaching it maybe change their inner dialogue about the or the strategy of the business or whatever mm. so that's that's where i found it helpful to me because for three hours or four hours, you're in there by yourself and it's only you who can get you across that finish line. Nobody else. Yeah. yeah. That's huge, man. Yeah. I love that. So cool. So, so tell us about crunch growth. We started, uh, I guess back, uh, about 2012 after we sold, uh, 800 razors. And, um, my intention was not to start, uh, an agency. What happened, what had happened was, um, we, had so many people that we worked with over the years that once I sold, people were saying, you know, uh, you know, in networking or whatever, saying, you know, what are you going to do now? Can you help me? Because you've been in, I've been in, I was in e-commerce since 1998. They were like, hey, can you help me understand what's happening in my business? And I started doing it. I'm not a good consultant. I'm not a consultant at all. And you know, we started, um, I started working with one company and then they needed help with, you know, social media, they needed help with ads. Mm. They help. So I started bringing in people that worked for me. And then the next thing you knew, I had like five clients, six clients and uh, all brands and some large ones, uh, uh, extremely large. And we, um, you know, it, it just sort of blossomed. And then we were primarily focused on Amazon and mm. e-commerce advertising. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd been in a seller on Amazon since 2006. Raw Beauty was actually one of the first brands allowed onto the um, uh, onto the the seller platform after books and CDs and all that. When they started allowing other other categories on, yeah. and so I had this wealth of knowledge with Amazon, and so people were like, you know, can you help with Amazon? So that's sort of how we started Amazon e-commerce, and then. Uh, a lot of the brands were coming to us because they needed help with their websites. And I'm not a, I'm not a developer, but uh, I did have a lot of, you know, friends who were, and we started, you know, 
helping people with their websites. I was outsourcing it to a friend of mine's company. Yeah, and yeah. We just merged. So now mm-hmm. we have Crunch Growth Development, which we build apps, we build uh, sites, we do all that, and was, as well as we help manage it and, uh, and um, you know, market it. Uh, come up with your marketing plans, help you with Amazon, help you on walmart.com, help you on all these places to sell the product. Um, you know, and then uh, it sort of has has grown from there. Now we're doing a tremendous amount on social and I've hired uh, a bunch of younger folks who have uh, the ability on uh, social to build really intriguing videos. So we're doing a lot, uh, a lot more video work on social, which is highly effective. It's also good for ads and, um, and Amazon as well. So, oh, very cool, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so take us through your journey. So, so you, you know, it sounds like one of the big things we were talking about before is is really listening to your customers and, and, and clients. Because had you not done that, you were you were going down a certain path, and and you really pivoted. And and so you, the company's been around what ten years now. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it a pretty, pretty steady climb? Was it pretty, were there ups and downs, valleys, peaks? <laughs> I think there's always ups and downs and valleys and peaks. Um, you know, we had a good run for a period of time and we actually, here, the here's the funny part. We, we actually had this deal with uh, South Korea, uh, the South Korean government for a period of time, because we have we have clients all over the world now. But uh, and um, they fund a lot of entrepreneurial efforts, a lot of startups. Um, and whenever there was a product that they had that was consumer focused, yeah. they would contact us and we would build out the website, build out the Amazon pages, you know, build out the Amazon storefront and get it on, you know, wherever it was applicable, walmart.com, target.com, wherever we yeah, get it. Yeah. And um, Unfortunately, uh, COVID hit, and that mm. just that just destroyed that that part of the business. Um, and you know, the other part of COVID was we had we had a couple of uh, brands that were in the um, auto uh, auto parts, uh, marine parts, uh, RV things like that, which just totally fell apart during COVID for about a year. So, you know, there was a period of time there where we were very, very worried um, mm. COVID because if, you know, Amazon had locked down a lot of categories, they were only shipping basically the five main categories, health and baby and, and grocery, et cetera, which were what people needed at the time because they couldn't keep up with the demand. So a lot of the brands that we had on Amazon weren't selling. There was no need for them to pay us. So, you know, that was, we, we took a, a, a we, we probably lost about 30% of our revenue in, you know, overnight and yeah, even we, so many other people, we didn't, uh, we didn't get rid of anybody. We didn't get rid of any of our people. We, my, my, I have a partner, um, when we built out the, when we merged and, and took on crunch growth development, we, um, but we made a decision that we just wouldn't take salaries for a year and we would just keep everybody on and try and get as much as we could. And, and we hustled and and had to go out and, and really try and pick up more business in order to keep everybody employed. It took us about uh, a year and a half, I think, to really fully recover from what we, uh, what we lost. So, uh, but there's always ups and downs, but that one was, uh, almost devastating. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you guys are your your um annual revenue you're up what 2 3 million something like that now. You guys are growing that. What uh yeah. h- how are you guys what are you guys doing to get clients? 
Well, we, we do um, outreach. Uh, we do, mm. uh, you know, B2B outreach, which we have a process because we do offer that to some of our, uh, most of our clients are consumer consumer product brands right we don't work with resellers we don't work with resellers we don't we we don't we we work strictly with brands that's where that's our comfort space uh in e-commerce and um but we do have a couple of clients who are uh manufacturers or Mm -hmm. uh you know in, in in things like you know construction or concrete or, or whatever and so we've built out sort of a b2b process for outreach for them uh, to get them clients so we started doing that for ourselves but it, the, the bulk of the the bulk of 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 our um, clients come from referrals from our existing client base uh or from you know people who meet me at events or you know things like that where we can help them uh, a lot of unlike a lot of agencies you know we have we have our sweet spot which is you know brands that are doing between you know 100 million and up in in revenue okay so they can afford to, to to advertise but we do because i'm so entrenched with startups and um uh you know and, and advisors in in some of these uh incubators and things we do have a decent amount of startups that we help where we work out different deals where it's not you know they they don't have a lot of money but we think that the idea is good we think that the product is good we'll do what we can to sort of help them maybe we'll exchange you know services for equity uh, we've done a couple of deals like that with some some good products because we you know i i do believe in giving back to the entrepreneurial community and keeping it healthy and keeping it rolling so yeah i love equity deals man <laughs> <laughs> if it, I mean, you have to believe in in your client, and there's got to be, you know, obviously a lot of great discussion and a lot of congruency and, and everything else in alignment. But um, do you feel like uh, isn't that a, is that a potentially a greater opportunity for your company to to get in the long run an equity deal with folks? Or uh, I, if you can, if the if you can get the product to over the hurdles, right? See, that's where we're good because we've been there. So we, we can offer guidance. We can offer understanding. We look at the product and we, and if we see that we can help through our marketing, through our marketing knowledge, through our systems, if we see, see that we can help them grow, um, you know, the, the thing about um, startups is, you know, the first money in, and technically that's who you are, right? Even if you're not putting direct cash in and you're, you're just generating services for in exchange for equity or something like that, you know, that first money in is always the riskiest money. Uh, and so, you know, what happens is there, there could be a point in time when they plateau to a different level and they need more money and you could wind up taking a bit of a haircut, but it, it you know, it depends on how we structure the deals. It could be lucrative, but, um, you know, sometimes, you, you wind up, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't work and you wind up having invested, you know, two years of, and a lot of effort and a lot of time. And it's just not, it's just not clicking. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. So in, in our pre-call, when I asked what, what you're most proud of, um, as a CEO, you said is, is impacting people's lives and, and kind of creating that environment where your employees can feel free to express themselves and, and make recommendations, improvements about all the stuff that you're doing. Tell us more about that and how you created that environment. Well, I think, 
you know, you have to have respect for whoever you have working around you. You've got to have a good sense of hiring the right people. I hire a lot of young uh, people that maybe don't have the experience that, you know, uh, some other people would would hire, but I see something in them that I think they could do well. Maybe they're a great content writer, right? Maybe they're a, a, maybe they're a great creative person. They have great ideas uh, that we can then translate into social. So, if you if you look at what people do and you give them the opportunity and you and you you sort of help guide them, you tell them it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to come back to me and say I think you all washed up, Phil. You know, and and do things like yeah. that in a constructive way mm. you can't do it rudely to me. Mm-hmm. You have to, we have, you know, we have meetings, but we also, we don't have a high pressure environment. You know, we're, we're, we're focused on our clients and we're focused on the brands and what they need. But um, you know, it's not like we're constantly pounding to generate more revenue, generate more error. We're not doing that. We, we, we want, we're more interested in the results and we're more interested in seeing what happened and trying things. And we talk about it with our clients. We say, look, you could have the most off, off the wall idea. We'll help you get there because I don't know if it's right or wrong until we try it. And, and my, my folks are all into that. So we've sort of created this environment where they can try things, they can do things. I'm not going to cut their head off if we make a mistake. Um, and as long as we tried and we did it correctly, and I think they start appreciating it and that culture sort of permeates, but, uh, you know, and, and then you have to also think about what's going on in their personal lives. Mm. Uh, you know, I've been a remote worker since I, I think 2006, mm-hmm. uh, because we, we had a manufacturer for raw beauty. We had a manufacturer and then we had, you know, we were selling on the shopping channels and we had Carol who was, you know, a, a former supermodel and we were doing PR. So we were constantly on the road traveling. We didn't really have a, an office or need one. And we, we communicated with people. So we learned how to communicate with people remotely. Um, you know, now when we built this, we did have an office. We still have an office. Um, we have one in in Maryland. We have one in Michigan. But you know, people can choose to go or not choose to go. Uh, if there's a need to go, then yeah, we all get together if we have to have a meeting. But you know, respecting people's time, I find that I know people are down on remote work, but I find that people are more productive when they're working from home. You know, especially if they're young and they have a new family and they've got a child and they don't have to they don't have to worry about you know daycare and they don't have to worry about getting the kids on and off the bus. I find that they work later into the into the evening you know instead of eight hours you're getting 10 hours out of them because you know they're happy to get the work done uh they're less stressed in their lives so yeah yeah and i i would imagine that even if you know my experience has been even if they are only getting eight hours even if you're getting six hours when they were putting in eight hours before in a virtual at home <clears throat> they're a lot more focused I've seen, yeah. I've noticed in, in when I, I've, but you know, that's what, that's what I hear from other people and there's no water cooler talk. There's no this or that. I mean, there's, you, right. know, you still have slack and all that kind of stuff, but, but it's my understanding that people are able to be a lot more productive in less time. I think it, people are less stressed, you know, yeah, when less you, stress. Yeah, totally. You know, here there's traffic right in the morning. We have an office downtown and to get to that office, it's, it's only, I think 
six miles from where I live, but yeah, I, yeah, take, 30 minutes, take me, yeah, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, yeah. you're yeah. sitting in traffic and you, you know, that gets into your head and then you get to the office and you got to calm down. So you've, you know, you've lost all this time driving, then you've lost time in the office calming down. I, I think that, you know, if you do it right and you have respect for the people and you let them know, but again, they have to deliver on their promise. My promise is Absolutely. I'll treat you with respect. I'll give you a job. Your promise is you'll get the work done. We'll do it to the best of our abilities and we'll keep everybody happy. Yeah. All our clients. There was a couple of things. I, I, I forget where I read it, but, but it was saying that um, what most people want now is not a pure remote and not a pure work in, but kind of like this hybrid, yeah. almost like three days at home, two days at work. But then it also went on to say that, that the most effective companies and this is where a lot of remote work has fallen down, right? Is is many companies don't have KPIs in place or ways to measure the productivity of each individual, each project, and each team. And then therefore they're gauging their their performance on the number of hours that they're worked. And that's not the right way to do it. No. No, you have to work on, you know, I don't care. Like I, I tell my folks all the time, I don't care if you get the job done between, you know, 8 a.m. and 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 4 p.m. or if you get the job done between noon and midnight, yeah. as long as we get the job done and it's done correctly and it's done on time for the client and it's done the way that they want it. The KPIs for us are always sales, right? Because the client, it doesn't matter. The client always wants more sales. Right. So we're focused on building ads. Those ads have to deliver clicks to the site. They have to, and the site has to then convert and convert into sales. Same thing on Amazon, right? We, we, we spend money on advertising. We spend money on, or we spend effort on Amazon SEO, so to speak, uh, optimizations and trying to get more sales. So it's always sales, even social media, right? It's not that you want a direct sale from social. What you're going to get out of social is brand building, and you want that you want to do mm, things that are right. going to get keep your your client's brand in the heads of the the viewers. So, if you're doing things on social that they interact with, they're going to remember you when it comes time to buy you know whatever pasta sauce or hot sauce or whatever where whatever the brand is at the time. So yeah, yeah. And you mentioned, you had mentioned that um, in your first startup, you, I think you said you were 27, something like that, that you, you learned a pretty, pretty heavy lesson there to, to really how to lead and delegate instead of trying to do everything yourself. Oh, it was a disaster. My first startup was a total. Oh, I love disaster stories. Let's hear it. Uh, it was awful. I, uh, so I grew up in the, in the restaurant business uh -huh. and uh I thought that that was going to be my path. I thought, you know, I'm going to own a restaurant and, and do it. And then right, right. I went to college. I was working in, you know, the hotel. I went to college in Miami. I went, was working in the hotels and restaurants down there, you know, to, to, to earn some money. And I decided I don't want to do this because the lifestyle is horrible. I'm working, you know, you're working until one o'clock in the morning and, you know, it's just, it wasn't a good lifestyle, but I still liked food. So I opened up a a food store. Now I did have a background in cooking. I, I learned how to cook at an early age, learned how to cook in, in restaurants and, and things like that when I was in high school. And um, so I, I, I started this, this uh, specialty stores like gourmet food store in New York. I was, uh, I grew up in New York and, um, and, and then, you know, we were, it was like a, um, like a Balducci's if you've ever been one or mm -hmm. uh, something like that. We, you came in and there were cases of prepared foods and cases. Mm, of, mm -hmm. but it was a retail store, specialty yeah. foods are like, like, like a whole foods where you go into the deli section, yeah, yeah. prepared food section. So, but it, you know, it was just a store. And then we started doing catering 
right? So most of the food I could teach people how to do, but they didn't know it as well as I did. So I could do it really fast, whereas I'd have to train people to do it. So most of the people I had on the counters and I'd be in the back, you know, creating stuff. And I had a couple of people that I was working with that I would do the prep work and things like that. And then we, we, we started doing catering off-premise catering yeah, and like a fool, instead of utilizing outsourcing and getting a guy who puts up the tent and getting a guy who puts up the tables and getting a guy who brings the chairs and the silverware and all that, you know, uh, like a fool, I thought, why should I rent that stuff when I can buy it? And, and sure, sure. be fine. But then you need to go into debt all. real quick. <laughs> so now I've over, I've over, I've, I've taken the business and way over complicated it. Right. Yeah. So now I've got to figure out how to get that done while I'm still running this store. And then as, as you may know about the catering business, it's really busy from say April yeah. until, Summertime. yeah, until September, October, and then it dies. So the genius that I am, I said, well, I can't have this lull in the business. So I'm going to start wholesaling some of these cakes that we make that people really love, which only I can make because nobody else, I can't transfer that skill. I can't teach them. It's just not enough time. So yeah. now I'm running around like a one-armed paper hanger. I've got sure. a bunch of people. I, I can't teach them. I'm not good at delegating. I'm a, just a total disaster. And I was exhausted. In three years, I was just exhausted. I'm working seven days a week and working 14, 16 hour days. And I'm, you know, and I'm I'm sitting there going home at night, drive saying, you know, I'm I'm an idiot, I'm just not smart here. Something's wrong. And so I had the opportunity to sell the business in parts. Somebody wanted to buy the store, somebody else wanted the catering book. You're like, yes, please. Uh, yeah. So I, I I sold it, you know, made a little bit of money, but not nearly what. I should have, or, and I took the money and that's when I went to university of Maryland uh, graduate school. I came down to, to here and uh, went to uh, university of Maryland, got my MBA because I thought, Hey, you know, I, um, I am stupid and I need a better education because mm. what I just did was a total disaster. Mm. You know? And so, yeah, it was just, it, it, and I, and I said to myself, never again, you know, and I'll have a plan and I'll figure out how to organize things and I'll, you know, I'll hire the right types of people. And I, you know, learn leadership and, and, and learn how to delegate, you know, and use my head a little bit more, not, not think so much about control as much as outsourcing and getting the job done correctly. So. Yeah. It's funny when, when most people start a business, they, they do something that they know how to do. Right. And then they hire people out of necessity versus, you know, being very intentional about creating that business, you know, that's, you know, having that, okay, five years from now, this is what it's going to look like and, and continually building towards a huge difference. So, you know, it's e-myth revisited all over again. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to, to raise a quote from there, I was spending no time working on the business and a hundred percent of my time working in the business. In the business. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, man. So um, if you're going to hire a CEO to take the reins for your company, what's the one book that you would require he or she read for taking over for you? And and why is that? The Art of War. I think um, I, I, I'm fascinated by that book and its mm. relationship to business. You know, I, I had a marketing teacher in um, in college who made us read it. And there was just something about it. it it's not so much the stories. You can read that book as a series of stories, or you can read that book 
in more more in depth and think about the strategy behind those stories mm. and that strategy behind those stories is what you think about every day which is you know how to build a team right he's building an army i'm building a team right how to motivate that team how to get them how to get that team to achieve the goal right so it's it's like i said you can read that book as a bunch of stories or you could read that book as a strategy behind the stories and i just i i, I love it i love to talk about it with people who have read it um you know i don't know if you you know what forums are when in entrepreneurial world like you you have these forums where you get together with other entrepreneurs other business owners and you sort of talk about problems that you have and everybody they help you think through it uh, very helpful and a lot of people have read that book and we've had you know discussions about it almost like a book club about what people get out of it and it, it's amazing how many different things people get out of that book oh, and i always cool. go back to it i probably read it once a year yeah gotcha um i actually believe it or not have not read it i, I had someone else on the podcast a, a little bit ago who had recommended i got the book but i you know i need to read it so uh, i need to do that uh, Phil, uh, awesome having you on, on the show today. If, if there was one takeaway that you would, you know, really want the upcoming CEO or upcoming leader to absorb, what, what would that be? I think, you know, you focus on the customer and focus on the changes in the customer and what's happening with them and get your team aligned with focused on the customer, focusing on the customer. And I think one of the one of the best ways we've done it, and we've we've pushed this out to a lot of our clients is, you know, you can sit there and look at who the customer is demographically and psychographically on a piece of paper. But until you build a brand persona and say, and give that brand persona a name and say, mm. this is who I'm marketing to, because yeah. now you're marketing to a person, right? Now it's somebody. It's not, yeah. an, it's not something abstract. And I think right. that that goes a long way because any business, any business that you're in, you've got customers and, and you have to focus on who those customers are and what their needs are and what they're changing to, or else you get static and you fall behind. Yeah. Awesome. And there's a couple of things I had some, a couple of takeaways I'll, I'll add to it that, that I thought were really good today is um, really being flexible, listening to your clients like from, from your standpoint, you had clients that came to you and said, Hey, do you know anyone that can help us with websites? And you weren't yeah. currently doing that. You had enough people that, that asked for that. So listening to your clients and being able to pivot and, and that ended up now being, you know, one of your, one of your mainstays. So uh, the other thing I thought was an interesting when you kind of talked about, if you try to force the plan that you originally set um, instead of being flexible, then, you know, it's almost like you're going against the, the universe instead of just going with the flow and, and kind of uh, allowing things to happen. The other one I thought was a great was, is of course, lead and delegate. And, uh, you know, you had three years of just hitting your head against a wall, stressing out, not making the money you need to because you can't scale because you're the one doing it. And, and just instead of, you know, being intentional about even if uh, revisited about creating that business yeah. that, that creates pies without you being the pie maker. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Hey, Phil, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out and, and get a hold of you either for services, either for to help them uh, sell their brand on Amazon or e-commerce or anything like that, or any questions from today, what's the best way they could do that? Well, they can email me at phil at crunchgrowth.com. Very simple. Or they can go cool. on, look at crunchgrowth.com and you can yeah. you can uh, contact us there. Awesome. Very good. And uh, Phil, for the listeners, we'll have Phil's um, LinkedIn profile handle on the uh, 
on the our, our website as well. So, uh, Phil, thanks for being on the show, man. This was great. Hey, thanks for having me. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for the listeners, please hit the like and subscribe button and help us spread the word about the show and what we're doing here. We're helping the next generation of leaders and CEOs be that much more successful. With that, this is Patrick Rogers, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to another episode of the High Performance CEO Podcast with your host, Patrick Rogers. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out our main website at patrickvrogers.com for much more valuable information and free resources.